Keep your hands and head inside the vehicle at all times. Buckle your seatbelts, check your mirrors, sit on back and relax. It's lights out and away we go for the Tall and Short of It podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast coming to you live from the rooftops. I'm your host Justin. And I'm Aaron. Welcome back everyone for another episode of the podcast. We've got a good episode ahead of us today. We've got some F1 recap of the Spanish Grand Prix, a little bit of League of Legends talk, uh, some Magic the Gathering, all the usual. Um, but Justin, it's good to see you after seeing you in person over the weekend. It was uh, yeah. it was nice getting together. Yeah, I agree. That was a really fun time watching the uh, Spanish Grand Prix in person together. And it's interesting. Like you just feel like somebody just exists on the computer and then like you find and then you see them in real life and it's like, whoa, you are not uh, you are not just this You're not 2D. Yeah, it was it was fun to reach out and touch you, my friend. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I was saying it to Colleen afterwards. It's funny because we haven't like seen each other in person in a bit, but because we keep up and and do this every week, um, I was like, it it just felt like we had seen each other like a week ago. Like we picked, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to pick up and everything, and uh, just like it it was cool to get to watch in person with you and sarah and everything it was a fun time lots of good food um and good hanging out so uh, big time agree yeah so that actually was my my rose this week so i can lead us into the rose thorn and seed was uh, about it getting to to hang out we had some some breakfast made some casserole made some uh bacon had some fruit and all um Colleen and I really enjoyed you going, you and Sarah going and walking with us uh, at cemetery too. That's like, it's funny hearing from your perspective. Like it was not what you guys expected when I said we go on like dog Mm -hmm. walks through the cemetery. Yeah. And, and she had like doubled down on that comment again. And we were, and there are there are a bunch of smaller ones around us, but I'd never been to one that's like that that has like you know walking paths built through and you know uh, large enough that you could you could uh, film movies there and use that cemetery as a like cinematic uh, cinematic piece in your films. Um, so yeah, I thought I I thought that was fun, and we commented later about the. Um, about the like music playing when we when we walked up we were that, that was, was so, unexpected <laughs> yeah and it was like wait are we in the right place that's what it ve- that's what it very much felt like it was like it was a bit jarring like i mean great great uh cause that they were sponsoring and everything but i was expecting like a quiet peaceful walk in the cemetery like uh we normally see on a sunday and uh they had a little bit more going on but uh, but nonetheless, uh, very fun time seeing you guys and we got to watch a pretty fun race, uh, but it was a, a good time hanging out. Um, so for my thorn this week, I had briefly said it to you uh, kind of a minute ago when I was asking about your your allergies, but my thorn is that I am concerned about a couple things with my running, my knees have they're not hurting but i can feel them a little bit more 
just I guess in general, like that it's not pain, but I can like physically feel that there might be like some inflammation or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's from my bike ride that I went on with the repetitive like motion of flexing the knees. I I have no idea what might have triggered that to be uh, a little more uh, tender, but I am a little worried about that, but also with the race, uh, that I'm running being next weekend, I'm a little concerned about the wildfire smoke from Canada that has made Mm -hmm. the air quality not healthy here in Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. So I'm not able to like just walking around my property throughout the day today, I felt like I was like sitting next to a campfire for a couple hours. Like you get that kind of little dryness in the back of your throat and everything. And so um, that has definitely uh, put a little damper on my plans because I hate running on treadmills. So even though that's an option, um, I don't know if I'm going to take it because I also don't think that that will be good for my knees so kind Mm. of goes hand in hand a little bit um i feel like the treadmills just are a little less forgiving um than than just running on normal pavement that's not moving yeah, I think it's a little higher impact, and especially if you're on to, like, if you get onto like, grass or, like, dirt sections, um, it becomes even uh, less impactful uh, right. on your knees. You know, that's, like, where it's, like, really, you know, cushiony to run on. Uh, so, yeah, you're, you're right. You may experience some more, like, knee discomfort with the with the treadmill. So so you're seeing, like, you know, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't in, in one scenario. Here. Yeah, a little bit. Because uh, in, in different ways, if I do the treadmill, then I might cause my knees to, to start acting up a little bit more. Uh, but if I don't run at all, then I'm going to struggle – uh a good bit probably next mm-hmm. next week for the the race not that i have any i have like a, a target goal for myself but it, i'm not like competing for anything in particular uh, i just wanted to have a motivation to go out and like start running and, and working out again so in in that sense this has definitely worked but i also want to to hit my goal like time so mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes next week but um Hopefully I can maybe take a little bit of a rest uh, and get back at it in a couple days. Um, but with that, I am going to be up in New York for a wedding this weekend. So that is my my seed for this week. I'm looking forward nice. to it, but I may have to, to see if I can find a little bit of time to go out and, and stretch the legs a little bit. But um, otherwise looking forward to, uh, to a very fun weekend, uh, ahead. So that's my rose thorn and seed for this week. Yeah. I'm curious with the knee, if, um, I wonder if like a knee brace is indicated here, um, uh, as a little bit of support. Uh, I know you like, maybe feel like it's not at that point. I'm curious, like if you've ever used them before, if like, you know, they help or not help. Um, I haven't gone with knee braces. I wear, um, ankle braces for basketball just to like, I've rolled my ankles enough that I'm just like, I want the extra support there and all Right. Um, with my knees though. It doesn't, 
it hasn't ever felt like it is a support issue um, necessarily. And maybe I'm just wrong about that because I I don't know how the mechanics exactly work, but it doesn't feel like I'm getting pain from any sort of like side to side type movement where I think feel like a brace like holds you a little bit more steady um, with your uh, uh, like lateral. Movement. Yeah. Like lateral gotcha. movement doesn't seem to be like that something that's uh, affecting it. So I don't know okay. if I need the extra support as much as I need um, maybe a way to fight the inflammation a little bit better, um, which because I uh, I'm allergic to anti-inflammatories. So I can't take like, ibuprofen or advil or leave or anything like that to like medicinally help with the inflammation um right i've tried cbd before but it didn't seem to do a ton uh but at the time that was because i had broken my collarbone and so it was a little bit of a different scenario um so i've uh just always kind of stuck to like turmeric pills and stuff like that to to try and naturally deal with it gotcha so you do so you are like managing it with a supplement as well for trying to like anti-inflammation gotcha so you're okay okay i could probably Um, ice a little bit more that's probably not uh something that would hurt but mm mm-hmm yeah. Well, I hope uh, I hope the combination of uh, therapies that you do help it, um, or at least keep it to a to a workable level, at least till you're done the race, and then you can give it some rest, like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll stop with the with with the diagnosing here. I'll take you through my rose thorn and seed. My rose here as well is the uh, the walk through the through the cemetery. That was that was super pleasant, super peaceful. Um, and there's a sense in which uh, getting the dog out for a walk is a little bit of uh, something that we were missing out on as well. So yeah, that was just mm. a, a really nice time. And uh, so that's my rose for the week. My thorn. I am just continually. Um, wanting things to be done yesterday i i need immediacy i just because i'm putting effort in i think that the whole thing can be solved um so just trying to be aware of impatience and do my best to you know rein it in and and understand that things get taken care of uh in a process and in their own time um and sometimes you can't really rush that yeah, it's tough to not feel that way though. Like we especially even with like prob like problems and issues, a lot of stuff in most cases can be resolved pretty quickly between the internet and like customer support and things like that that are um available to us. It's definitely different from uh I think back probably our, our like parents' generation. You couldn't just call up a company that made some product in your home necessarily and immediately talk to someone to to troubleshoot something or figure something out. Um, but we get so used to being able to do that or Google something and, and figure things mm-hmm. out that having to go through a slower process is, uh, is it makes it more frustrating than if it was like a typical thing we deal with. Big time, big time. And 
Yeah. Uh, so I yes. mean, I, I was like, I was telling you over the weekend, I was dealing with that with our internet provider at my, yes. uh, my community. I, it took me five to six hours of my Monday to, to get this person's internet up and running and all. Um, and it was like, yeah, I, I was just mm -hmm. miserable by the end of it. Cause it, the, waiting for people to do things or talking to the right person or whatever is mm -hmm. not the, the most swift process in most cases. Yeah. It really breaks an individual down. Uh, so that's my, so that's my thorn here for the week. And then my seed is part of that thorn. I was given a little, a uh, little tidbit of hope from a friend um, and a good in the meantime fix um is gonna be a, an internet hard line just an ethernet cable straight into the router so i went out got a 50 footer today ran it from the office up into the ceiling and then drop it down like right above the router so it's like neat out of the way don't have to like run it through you know just like you know trip trip on it break our necks um so it seems like this is going to be a pretty good solution, at least until I, I, I figure out a, a, a final fix. But uh, yeah, nice little, nice little, it feels like more than a Band-Aid type solution. Because even if I never get the wireless thing figured out, like this is, this it's can be a long-term solution. Yeah, Not the like prettiest necessarily or whatever the right. case. But, right. but yeah, so, I got gotcha. Overall, definitely works. Definitely happy about it. Um, so yeah, that's my rose thorn seed here for the week. Pretty simple. Nice. Uh, we'll love to hear it. And hopefully the, the Wi-Fi or wireless situation isn't too tough to get resolved because it's just nice to have things the way you want them. But we're here, aren't we? We're talking over the interwebs. We I are. would say I've, uh, I've patched things pretty well. I would say so. Uh, but we can hop into the quick hitters for this week. So one, it. first off, we had the IndyCar Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix on Sunday afternoon after the uh, Spanish Grand Prix. So watching that, um, I don't know if you caught any of it, but that track is, and I, I've seen it before, but some of these IndyCar tracks, man, are brutal. They are so tight and like the curbs are so high in some parts and all like it is crazy to to see how difficult it can be on these circuits we had a number of guys running into the barriers who are veterans graham ray hall uh hit the and they're cement barriers so they're not forgiving at all um graham ray hall did it uh, Roman Grosjean unfortunately had a failure, uh, I think on his, uh, right side, he had tweeted out cause some people were, uh, going after him a little on, on Twitter. And he was like, eh, our right, right rear tire failed before we, before I crashed. That's what caused mm. that kind of thing. Um, so unfortunate and like really a uh, a big bummer for him because looking at it, he we had said the other week he was up in fifth in the uh, standings. He's down to 11th. He has only finished, I think, three of the seven races so far this season. And gotcha. with, uh, I'd say three of those 
for being um, car failures or other issues as opposed to his own. The Indy car or Indy 500 crash was on him, but this one, it sounds like there was a mechanical failure. Um, I believe there was another one with a mechanical failure of some sort. Then he had one of the first races of the season where he got ran off by, I believe it was Scott Dixon into, uh, into the barriers and crashed out. So he's, he's had a string of bad luck, but I mean, he's finished second, second, and I think like seventh or 11th in the Mm -hmm. races that he's finished. So second, second, and then 11th. Um, so when he's able to finish he's doing pretty decently. Um, two out of three. Yeah. What does a, what does a, a racing outfit do with a driver like that? You know, when they're, uh, at the, at the mercy of these failures. I, I mean, I don't know if there's that much they can do other than just go into the next week and try and keep working and and making sure things are all set up and and functioning properly with the car. Um, I think it's just a bit of bad luck. We've seen it in F1 with drivers. We saw a bunch with Ferrari last year when they were just having their engines explode on them throughout the season and whatnot. So like, it's not... um, unrealistic that these things do happen occasionally but it's definitely um unfortunate and also for a guy who like grosjean does occasionally crash on his own it Mm -hmm. having these ones that aren't due to anything he's doing like i think uh make that a little more difficult to deal with um so Right. That's a good point. Like if he wasn't so pro, like, I don't want to say prone to accidents, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he he's does. had a number. He, he, do, he yeah, gone he over that. Yeah, he's he's gone over the, the line enough times and sometimes he saves it and is fine and other times he doesn't. And that's just the kind of driver he is. I, I wouldn't mm. like you were kind of holding off. I don't think he's like accident prone as much as people give him flack for it. Sure. Um, but I think in this case, he's just had a, a little string of bad luck as well. So, and then the question you have to ask is for, like, do the pros outweigh the cons in that, in that scenario? Um, I'm just curious how long, you know, I, I mean, to be honest, like he's still in the driver's stand. He's, he's in 11th in the driver's standings. He is by no means like out of, this there's been seven races i think they have i think it's like 14 races maybe gotcha um let's see how many parts do the teams have like is it as detrimental for an indy car crash as it is excuse me an f1 crash no, because they're not making all their own parts like in F1. So right. because you're creating your own parts and fabricating them all on your own as a team, there's definitely a higher cost. Um, so I think uh, in IndyCar, I don't believe as far as I know that they've implemented any sort of cost cap. So I think as long as the team is like willing to pay to fix the, the vehicle and everything, like they're good to go. Um, Mm. but I don't think that, 
I would not imagine Roman getting or having any issue getting a drive in IndyCar because his performances when he finishes have been so good and his one lap pace to to qualify. I mean, he's had a pole position this season. He's had really good qualifying efforts in a lot mm-hmm. of races. Uh, it's tough to say whether or not that is um, like, I feel like the, the ceiling is high enough to keep him on and just say, Hey, if we sure. get some good luck and can string a little bit together, um, build on, on this progress and team and driving and whatnot, then I think you're, you've got a good, good spot or a good position to finish pretty high up. Yeah, of course. I mean, the double, the double P2 finishes make that conversation a lot different than if it was like, you know, a string of just like P15s, P16s, even when he is finishing, like that's just a very mediocre drive in general. And then, yeah, you got to look for, look for a driver with more upside. Um, but yeah, as of right now, it seems, it seems okay. And yeah, if, uh, yeah, it just doesn't, based on what you're saying, it just doesn't seem as costly for the accidents. So maybe, you know, they're able to be a little more forgiving or whatever. Um, but yeah, just that was a total derail off the uh, uh, D- uh, Detroit Grand Prix continue. Yeah, well, and it was just, uh, it was a good one to watch overall. I enjoyed checking it out. Like, it is so different from F1. And after watching the Spanish Grand Prix that's got these big massive runoffs and seeing them just weaving through the the streets of Detroit with these cement barriers. It was uh, a very stark contrast to uh, what I feel like we're used to in formula one, um, but still fun to watch. But uh, to end the race, Alex Pillow took P one uh, and held off willpower um, with Felix Rosenquist finishing third and Scott Dixon uh, who I mentioned earlier for uh, one of the incidents with Grosjean earlier in the season finished in P4. So, so where does, where does Joseph Newgarden finish? Uh, Newgarden finished down in P10. So a little ways down. Um, he, he was having a decent race, but I think it was, if I'm remembering correctly, they were just on a slightly different tire strategy and just gotcha. didn't, uh, didn't quite hook it all up together. Um, but it was, uh, definitely a, a good one. And, uh, it's always nice to supplement some F1 with uh, a little extra racing on the weekend. Uh, um, Oh yeah, of course. So, uh, a good Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, but talking a little bit, uh, shifting, shifting gears back over to F1. Um, for some of these quick hitters, there was a, um, uh, a tweet I saw about Bridgestone, and I guess Bridgestone is looking to get back into the F1 space, but not as a co-tire supplier, I guess, as they had previously. Um, I think, forget if that was like the 90s or earlier 2000s, where they had both Bridgestone and Pirelli making tires, mm-hmm. and the teams could kind of choose um, but they're looking to become the sole tire supplier for formula one, uh, Whoa. which would be interesting. I, I mean, it, 
I guess any large company that that's in that space, it makes sense that they would be like, yeah, we want the biggest contract like out there. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't think it's like necessarily shocking, but the fact that uh, I feel like Pirelli is such a just mainstay in formula one, at least from our, our time watching. And mm-hmm. I haven't really seen much else i think it's a uh, interesting i'm kind of curious what the um differences and whatnot would be between tires uh and whether they can formula uh formulate them to work a bit differently maybe than what pirelli's been doing um so an interesting thought but uh who knows whether or not that will end up happening at any point uh pirelli seems pretty ingrained but yeah that's a really good word to use for it i mean how much of the you know the tire data is informed by previous races and the only reason that they have that is because they have been a part of you know the racing for a long time so they they know maybe where they've gone wrong before where they can improve uh or just like what works in general at certain tracks so yeah hard to see hard to see a purchase like that or a change like that being a very smooth one and i'm curious like how you pitch that if you're if you're bridgestone in the sense of like what what would they bring to formula one that Pirelli currently isn't like, that'd be the question that I would want answered in the sense of it feels like the data analysis from Pirelli tends to be pretty good. And they, to my ear, they've had pretty good understandings of what races will look like based on the compounds that they've chosen. Mm. Um, so yeah, just a just a question of like I'm curious what Bridgestone specifically believes they could bring. Yeah, and I know, I, you, and I know you don't have that that answer. Just saying well, from a, like a let's see perspective. Yeah, but I, I would say that they definitely have some information. Like they, so Bridgestone makes the Firestone tires that they use for IndyCar, so they're in that realm already, or, or they've stayed in that realm since their last time producing. Uh, tires for f1 they've stayed in the the racing world but i think something that interests me that i've seen come up as a a topic a little more frequently recently um is the kind of disdain for f1 one-stop strategies um that aren't like really a stretch to to make it work because they're the one stop strategies are just have a lot less variation. Like we're, we're able to see, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little more in the Spanish grand prix, but to start the race, we had guys on every, which tire, um, to start, we had softs, mediums, hards. We were raring to go with different strategies. We had multiple pit stops from, uh, a number of the teams and everything. And so with IndyCar having more frequent pit stops, changing of tires, I think Bridgestone and their Firestone tires, maybe they have figured out a little bit of uh, a different wear pattern that if you do say, oh, 
We want more multi-stop races to add some variation to bring the team aspect into it a little bit more in terms of uh, like if you're saying in F1 that the drivers are doing it all on race day, they just have to pit once for tires. Whereas in the other instance, you can say, well, the pit crew's got to be on it for both stops. They've got to be like figuring out the strategy because if you pick tires wrong, you could end up in a bad spot um, and whatnot. It it could add a little more intrigue when I think some people are looking for that to be added in because of the number of years between both Mercedes and Red Bull of just like one team kind of dominating the uh, the standings of it. That that makes sense to me. The the other thing, well, the thing that seems obvious with that though is why do you need more pit stops? It's because the so basically what you would want is what you're selecting for is overall softer compounds of tires that like hold up well i guess to where i guess yeah you just want them to dig quicker actually without a danger of like right. like and i mean we've seen with pirelli in some of the races in previous years having just random tire blowouts and things like that so it's not i mean that... i imagine any producer could be prone to that but yeah oh that's yeah a, yeah a good good thought um but yeah i think that if they they seem to have figured out a decent way to have like good fall off on the the pace of the tires where you have like a, a really big delta being on the soft tires than than the harder tires in IndyCar um where it's noticeable but if you like flip flop and do the the soft tires first then the hard tire like it can just shake things up a little bit between mm. windows for pitting and and what else so sure. um so an interesting idea and and i think it will be interesting to see what pirelli brings with their the different tires when they bring those to silverstone later this season uh that we've talked about a little bit whether that um changes things a lot or or just kind of provide some additional safety we'll we'll just have to wait and see but right um but yeah an interesting concept uh to see another tire supplier um well it would be very fitting for kind of the era of f1 that it seems like we're kind of on the precipice of there's a lot of talks of uh different different organizations different engine suppliers just different teams in general coming in um slotting into all the different you know aspects of uh uh vehicle production um yeah. so yeah it would be yeah it would be very fitting to it seems like for this era to say like, yeah, yeah, we're changing that too. Um, yeah. Based on what's going on, I wouldn't really be surprised. I guess my initial woe was just kind of like, I guess that wasn't even something I had thought of. I was just like, Hadn't yeah, yeah. Pirelli makes the, they, yeah. they make the tires. That's, that's what happens. Um, but yeah, I guess everything, uh, everything has a price. Yeah. And, uh, and one of those things is, um, 
the South African, uh, the plans for a South African Grand Prix, uh, unfortunately has been put on hold because of the country. So South Africa has, I guess, closer ties to Russia currently with their political whatnot. Uh, and so that has delayed South Africa being added onto the F1 calendar, which is definitely a, a bummer in terms of that. Maybe there's other African race locations, but like uh, I know we've mentioned before, I think Lewis, Max, a couple other drivers have said it would be neat to add another continent to the racing uh, schedule and everything with Africa. So um, definitely a tougher situation, but F1 definitely has made their um may have been vocal about how they feel in regards to uh ties with Russia, including like Mazepin and, sure. and all previously. So I guess it's not too shocking. If you're gonna be a bully, you don't get to race on the playground. Yep. So or if you're friends with the bully, apparently. Right. Um <laughs> so uh, so that means that the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa most likely will be the track that does stay on the calendar to to maintain that spot. Um, so I think that was the the biggest competition for for it at the time. Um, but then to move on to a little Mercedes talk, uh, it does sound like from reports that George Russell signed a contract extension with Mercedes through 2025. Uh, it's also been reported that they are finally finalizing a deal with Lewis uh, to renew his contract. So mm-hmm. all the Ferrari rumors and everything uh, may have been for naught, but um, it made for a fun, uh, fun little thought experiment, though. Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll see uh, once things get announced and solidified, but it sounds like things are, are moving right along for the Mercedes camp. Um, but one, uh, one other person outside of those two drivers, that was a big help. Apparently, uh, I saw that Mick Schumacher was doing a ton of time in the sim with the new, uh, car and everything, uh, for all the arrow to test it out was up till, uh, doing sim time till 2am leading up till the Spanish Grand Prix, getting some, some laps in for the boys to, to spe- share some data and all. Um, and I just, th- that it was funny because I feel like that's what a reserve driver's job is. So I'm like, why is he getting all this praise like from Mercedes and like uh, these people for, for doing it? Um, and I'm like, I guess, I guess they're just trying to get him a contract, get him in a car. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like, they're just trying to keep his name in the zeitgeist. That's Um, what it felt like. I mean, I don't hear... I feel like I don't hear about any other reserve driver other than Danny Ricardo because he's Danny Ricardo, and Felipe Drogovic because he's been on a number of the post-race like shows sitting down with them um, talking about that uh, as Aston Martin's reserve driver. 
Right. And so. I was just I was just going to follow up on the Aston Martin part of it where like that's a good one to have on because they are kind of this rising organization. The the massive move from, uh, you know, from Alpine to Aston Martin with Fernando Alonso. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that one that one makes a, a good amount of sense because Aston Martin itself was in the news a, a good bit. Yeah, so it, it makes sense, but I feel like for across the rest of the teams, like you don't hear anything about the reserve drivers. So point. it stuck out to me. I'm like, like, why is Mercedes like hyping? I'm like, they they have got to be like just just working on finding him a, a spot back on the grid and everything. Mm. Which, um, hey, I I appreciate it. I can't blame them for doing it, but it. Uh, caught my eye as being a potential uh like fluff piece to to boost his um his stock a little bit yeah no that's exactly what that sounds like to me too where it's like yeah yeah he's just doing his job yeah he but he did it so well for the team justin (laughs) that'd be like if if rebel came out and was just like adrian knew he designed our car yeah (laughs) whoa yeah did he really no way yeah i don't believe it (laughs) max Uh, will be driving at the canadian grand prix what okay color me surprised exactly Um, (laughs) but yeah i thought that was uh was kind of funny to see um and then to to round out my little Mercedes chit chat. They're looking to be bringing, uh, so, and, and this is something that I, I also wanted to slightly go off on a, a small tangent on, but Mercedes is planning to bring a new floor, new, new rear, <clears throat> new floor, new rear wing and new front wing, uh, for their car to Silverstone. And so big upgrade for Silverstone. Um, and then Fernando Alonso uh, came out and said that Aston Martin is planning on bringing uh, some major updates to Canada and and uh, Britain at Silverstone. So my question is, like, do you think that teams target their timelines with upgrades and things for like quote unquote home races. Cause it seems like Mercedes oftentimes like Silverstone is there. Like target last year was, we want to be able to Lewis saying, I like, I need to see that we're able to start trying to compete for race wins by Silverstone and like wanting to like get it for that home race. Um, mm-hmm making big upgrades or announcing big upgrades that they're going to bring to Silverstone this year. Uh, Fernando Alonso saying that they're going to introduce major updates in Canada and Britain. Aston Martin is a British company. So a home race there, Canada, Canadian Grand Prix is a home race for Lance Stroll. So like, it's almost seems like a specific strategy to make these upgrades at bigger like races for that specific team um and i can't tell if i'm just reading too much into it and that's just the way that it shook out or if the teams like or yeah if that's like the timeline and that's just how it happened or if the teams are like 
targeting like, oh, we should bring this upgrade so that we're really like flying at Canada so Lance can like come out and look like a stud uh, at the home race or whatever. That sounds like it's not reading into it too much. That sounds like definitely conversations that like the marketing teams have and the the like publicity teams and the you know public outreach teams and this and that um maybe they all fall under the same umbrella but you get what i'm saying i think there is a sense in which you can bring in a large influx of eyes slash fans slash investors on a weekend where you you make a big show out of improving your improving your vehicle and then using that to get like a big dub at the home race with the fans like Like, that definitely sounds like something that would be in the in maybe not the best interest of a team, but a pursuit or a goal worth pursuing. Yes, yeah. It's like, I would significantly agree. Okay. Cause it, it's, yeah, it seemed like it was, um, very coincidental that it would be for these specific races and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but That's a great question, but yeah, I'd be curious how that like works out. Cause I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there's times when a team are like, yeah, no, we can't wait till this race to, to like introduce this. We got to do this now because our car needs this issue resolved and like where that Mm. balances out. Or if they're like, Oh, the car's like fine. So we can like deal with this for another week until this upcoming race and all. And, and, make those changes at that point in time right yeah that you know it it sounds like it could be a pretty uh pretty fine dance between not wasting any time and getting the getting the results that you need yeah so uh i'd be curious it's uh it's something that was tickling my brain a little bit uh as i was thinking about it but um starting to kind of get into the race this week just from Let's the the practice sessions we saw a couple things that were interesting so we saw mercedes new upgrades with the side pods in action um and we saw that they were able to ride very comfortably close to the ground all of a sudden that <laughs> they had struggled with uh a lot compared to red bull there were um, just watching them go around the track, you could see that the car was very low to the ground, not much rake uh, or, or just distance. Um, and the car worked pretty smoothly in, in the practice sessions. And of course, as we get into the race, it uh, it managed itself pretty well during the race day as well. Um, but also leading uh, through the practice sessions, we saw uh, one of the Williams cars go and have to get craned up and looking at i don't know if you saw the did you see the pictures of the difference between the floors of the williams car to the red bull mercedes and ferrari no i did not okay i will send it to you but essentially the williams car is so non like it just doesn't seem very 
designed whatsoever. There's a lot of the the strakes, I think they're called, under the car missing, or just that like were not built in. The floor is just very plain and lacking. So it, it does make a lot of sense why they might lack some downforce and whatnot compared to the uh to the other cars that uh we've gotten to see the the underbellies of a bit. Gotcha. Yeah. So it looks like the Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari, it looks like they've all used these, you use the term strakes, like in the in the floor to like specifically direct different air flows where the um what's this the the Williams you were saying? Yeah, the Williams. The Williams, yeah. It's not utilizing them like down like the mid or the rear of the car. It looks like it has some the front. at yeah. the front, but not even as well integrated as the as the other three that we mentioned. So yeah, it seems like a lot of um like uh what would you say um uh uh like a missed opportunity here in development but then again this this is an example live in action of the um the budgets that these teams have to work with and the difference um and seeing that interestingly williams like they're able to put two cars on the grid you know it's like I'm not going to say competitive, like to win races, but it at least is quick enough to belong there in that, in that set of 20 cars. So it's interesting that they're able to find pace in other ways, but yeah, obviously not in as a, a commanding way as, as these other three, but yeah, that's, I would just say kind of a live in person example of the differences of the amount of money that these teams are able to spend. Yeah. And, and, also probably with that uh little difference in the quality of uh of like engineering and not to say that williams engineers suck or anything Fucking like that stupid. but but i think also like um this could be potentially a side effect of years of williams being kind of behind with the designs and things mm. where maybe red bull and mercedes had already started and Ferrari had already started doing a little bit of this with the floor for downforce ahead of the the new regulations and whatnot. Um, but I'd be curious now that we've seen some of the different cars, there's these images that the engineers can study and try and figure things out and whatnot. If we'll see some of these other cars like the, the Williams or Alfa Romeos or whatnot, um, try to, to utilize some of those same concepts to, um, to, get a little bit better pace or um downforce or whatnot from from their cars because if hmm. if some of the other cars that are further down the grid have similar lack of structure on the the bottoms of the car then maybe this will be an opportunity for them to to learn some new things and uh progress with their development as well hmm do you think do you think there would be that wide of an engineering gap that people would see those photos of the of you know we'll say the top 3 cars and be like holy shit we didn't even think about slats down there? Um I don't know if it's uh we didn't think about it but it like you said it could be a budget thing but it could be a budget thing in regard to not necessarily like or 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 even just um the 
like testing and whatnot that that has to go through for them to like make sure it's going to work the way they want it to. Um, Like if you don't have, um, or if you're utilizing like wind tunnel time or whatever else on other things, and that wasn't a, as big of a priority, then you may not, get the effects you want just by slapping some some things on the bottom of the car and if the Mm -hmm. the engineers could have been like ah we're good for now and we'll figure that out later um or something like that if they're like this is not part of our main aero focus right now uh in development but maybe they have things down the pipeline but I, i don't know if it's a massive like gap between engineers but i'm sure i mean Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, I would say can probably spend a little bit more on their their staff than Williams or uh, Alfa Romeo or Haas. Um, Or that engineers would prefer to go to those teams because they're the most successful teams at the moment. So that could be another reason too. Yeah, I mean, that all all of those points make sense to me, but it's interesting to see, um, you know, just the, the difference. That looks like, that to me, looks like the difference between LPL and North America. Looks like a pretty big gap to me, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now, um, getting into the actual race weekend, we had uh, a very interesting qualifying session. There was... A little bit of rain chitter chatter over the radios uh, of some some wet spots on the track. Um, some drivers definitely struggling. We uh, we weren't aware of it at the time, but Leclerc going out in the first uh, qualifying session and starting P nineteen um, affected by some different mechanical issues with the car mm-hmm. was definitely uh, a bit of a stunner right out of the gate. Um, Yuki snuck through into into Q2 there. Um but then we had a uh pretty just jumbled up grid at the top. I mean the the top 6 in qualifying were all different constructors. Um and we had uh seven different constructors in the top 10 there, which is pretty pretty cool to see um a a good mix up towards the top well and some interesting uh some interesting like positions as well i would argue a bunch of those positions are like out of position drivers um which is like kind of fascinating at this at this point in the season um you know obviously the um what was I going to say? The Mercedes is kind of a standout. We saw them kind of rise through over the practice sessions, but the best they were able to achieve here in the qualifying was the P5 for Lewis and then, uh, you know, P12 for, for Russell. So, yeah, kind of uh, kind of anybody's game there at the top, as you, you know, as you alluded to with the one through six being a bunch of different constructors. I mean, I would even argue like Lando, that's surprising to see him P3, uh, Pierre Gasly, P4, like wild so yeah there's um yeah i think this qualifying session was very interesting in that regard yeah and i i think another interesting point i mean other than um well i i guess at the time carlos signs uh 
up very high in that Q1 qualifying where where Leclerc went out. And obviously, I like I said, we found out later that Leclerc had some car issues, but that mm-hmm. was uh, pretty unexpected to see the the big gap there. Um, we were talking about it over the weekend as well. Nico Hulkenberg had a really nice qualifying, uh, mm-hmm. got himself starting up in P8. And it's just so interesting because his qualifying sessions have just been very, very good throughout the year. I think he's, um, I'd have to check my numbers, but I believe he's out qualified Magnuson um, in the head to head battle throughout the season so far. But I don't know if he has um, beat him out in terms of like race finishes similarly. Um, I think he has a, a couple more points right now, but otherwise, I think Magnuson's been pretty tight there but that was a a decent gap between the two of them um magnuson going out in q1 starting p17 and then hulkenberg like we said going all the way to to that third qualifying session starting at uh p8 yeah and when you had uh when you were messaging me i was i i was not through the qualifying session yet so i was like cheering for Hulk the whole time, just like waiting for him to go like P1 or P2 (laughs) or whatever. Um, But even like, even getting into Q3 and, you know, uh, solidifying P8 was very impressive as well. And I think it is these glimmers from just the organization from Haas, you know, giving, giving Hulkenberg the vehicle that's able to, able to allow him to achieve those results and it's it's these glimmers from Haas that we've been seeing of like some true pace starting to emerge and i think they're like right on the precipice of being uh a team that we're going to consistently talk about in the midfield where they've uh you know i i think they've really shown some promise here over the last couple of weeks yeah, I, I think we've seen a good bit of uh, progress from them to even be fighting up in that uh, for, yeah. for Q3. It's not how we would have necessarily expected from the start of the season. So it's um, it's fun to see them up there battling uh, a little bit more for, for some good positions. So yeah, because I mean, like when when especially when I first came in as a as a as a Formula One fan, like Haas was just the team that you laughed at that had like a really endearing team principle, and that's like the only reason you know you'd be talking about them. And now I think they've really kind of, uh, um, you know, have made some some serious progress. I understand Haas had some you know success early on, but. Yeah, I, I mean, it's good to see them kind of turning a corner. And this mm-hmm. is what I think this year, um, after seeing Red Bull kind of running away at the front, I think the hope from my end was that there would be good competition and that the field would close up and, and also raise up towards Red Bull to to hopefully bring more competition next year. I think... Mm-hmm. Um, I saw last week that Max had said in an interview that he thinks that the longer the rules stay the same, the better off it is for competition in F1 because the improvements and everything that teams are making and and all are 
much more marginal, um, which allows all of the teams to kind of close that gap a little bit as they figure things out. Um, but with the recent changes, and I mean, even the the Mercedes era, they stayed ahead of the game uh, and all for that turbo hybrid era and just were able to maintain that top position. But um, the... I, I do think that teams seem to be like closing that gap up later on in that, of course, with like Red Bull coming up um, and Max getting the driver's championship in 2021 and having more of that competition. We saw that in effect as that time period went longer and longer. I think if we had stayed in the turbo hybrid era without the regulation changes um, in 2022, maybe we would have seen uh more teams like up there fighting for that that top of the grid so i think this year in in my mind is a little bit about that gap being closed from uh raising the floor as it were instead of uh uh raising the roof Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense to me yeah it gives teams and then also it makes the development that they're doing now meaningful where it doesn't just like immediately just flip on its head uh quickly after and then you know you gotta uh, effectively you don't want to just like move the goalpost, right you Mm. want to you know or or cause people to just start from scratch right say good luck build me a car Right, because then it's going to default to the teams with the most money, just having like a significant edge, and that just creates, yep. you know, what what we have now. Right. So it'll be interesting uh, to see as we progress. But like like we were saying this week, it was great to see a huge mix up throughout the uh, the grid. Um, mm-hmm. We unfortunately did see our uh, our friend Mr. Pierre Gasly get a couple of penalties for blocking drivers. Um, I did find it pretty interesting to, uh, watching the radio rewind for the weekend. Um, Fernando Alonso saw Pierre block max during the one qualifying session, uh, and everything. And you just hear Alonso go to, to his team and, and like it, I didn't consider it coming from like other teams, like, calling out something that is not a like in my mind didn't affect them like pierre blocking max doesn't help or hurt checo in my mind or uh or sorry help or hurt alonzo in my mind Mm -hmm. um but alonzo's like oh if pierre finishes above me on the grid I got to make sure I relay that this happened so he's on the radio going to his team oh yeah yeah uh um, Gasly blocked for Stappen. Uh, that's that'll be three places, is like what he said over the radio. <laughs> and uh, we end up seeing Pierre get the three place grid penalty for that, and then another three for blocking. Um, I forget who the, the other one was, it might have been Signs or one of the Ferraris. Um, uh, I don't quite remember. Um, but uh, a tough start for Pierre dropping down to p10 for that starting position after a a really good p4 um qualifying 
Yeah, and then unfortunately in the race, not really able to, uh, you know, improve his position anymore um, after those uh, penalties were applied. Still in the points, but, you know, just the lonely, lonely number one. Yeah, and also I guess the other other side that um, just I recollected after it had crossed my mind earlier, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure Alonzo was also looking at it – Maybe not in just a, oh, Pierre it might be above me in qualifying, but also a, oh, Alpine is one of our bigger com- competitions and, and calling them out on uh, on something to benefit his team as well. Yeah, um, big time. But uh, then, of course, the other the other qualifying uh, final little incident. So I looked back to, to see our lovely little Mercedes scrap that we saw um, Mm -hmm. during qualifying. And so I, I was wrong, uh, wrong when you and I were talking, but George um, was the, the lead car, but Lewis was trying to had DRS had the slipstream and was trying to kind of go around him. And George just drifted to the side and pushed Hamilton off, off onto Mm -hmm. the grass. Uh, And, caused uh, a little bit of damage to the the carbon fiber on his car so it was um i I was correct where it was george in that whole time as he's closing lewis into the grass and everything with either not knowing or or whatever else uh or trying to force him out of uh a faster qualifying time um george didn't let off the gas that whole time because that's where his DRS stayed open. He was just full guns to it, pushing Lewis off uh, onto the side. So definitely a interesting moment, uh, but of course didn't turn into any penalties or anything for the race. No penalties, but you know, seeing seeing drivers slide off into the grass isn't uh, you know isn't an an exciting one you have to say especially like going down into a, a, a breaking zone like that uh things could get hairy yeah um but we we ended up with a, a still pretty mixed up starting mm-hmm. grid um and i guess we were looking at sunday there were announcements of oh there may be rain there may be this or that they always like to tease it uh just to to make us wonder if it's going to get shaken up like we saw in Monaco. Then of course, uh, as the race got started, we had George going, Oh, is that, is that rain? No, it's just my sweat on the inside of my visor. And so George, uh, kind of baited us even uh, a little bit more. Um, but unfortunately at the start, we also saw, uh, Lando get, taken out have some contact uh drop back to the to the back of the grid um and have to kind of fight his way back through after a p3 start um a big bummer i was really excited to see him uh hopefully get in the points again for another week and um and have a good showing but uh it did not shake out that way for for the young boy lando yeah, it would have been nice to actually see him drive a race. It feels like so many, uh, so many of his weekends are just relegated into you know this is where he is. He's just driving between two other vehicles, and and that's about it. I think if he was able to keep that um, 
keep that P3 start without taking damage. I, I, we would have seen him actually like go to work, and I think that would have been defending uh, and like right. really, yeah, like I, I agree. Um, so, but I mean, it's exciting to see that he had the pace to get that finish. Like he was shocked. Sure. Um, uh, on the the team radio after qualifying, they were like P3, and he's like what they're like yeah you're still p3 because i think he was and then he put in another lap and people were finishing behind him and whatnot and he's like what <laughs> like with a little high-pitched uh little squeak to it um because gotcha. he was just that's, that's he was funny. confused he was like wait really <laughs> we're we're still p3 um so a solid solid drive from from lando for the qualifying but yeah didn't didn't shake out in the race and he was able to get a couple of places back. But, um, after, after that start, it was a pretty, pretty long and tough fight for him throughout. Um, but I guess the, the other big shock early in the race for me was Leclerc coming in to pit for, uh, after being on the hard tires to start at, at lap 17 coming in yeah and i'm not and i'm not sure i totally understood that explain explain the like the the strategy choice there well uh with the race being um seven i think it was 70 uh let me double check or 66 laps um Mm -hmm. they were expecting the i think the medium tires or to last like in the 20 lap range. Um, okay. And so starting on the hard, hard tires, you're assuming that he's going to go and put in this like big stint at the beginning, like 30, 40 laps and whatnot um, into the race before he pits uh, where like max, for instance, looking at the, um, the pit stop strategy we had, um so we had Leclerc pitting on lap 16 off of the hard tires to put on soft tires where Max was on the soft tires to start and didn't mm-hmm. pit till lap 26. So Max lasted 10 laps longer on the soft tires like the whole the whole point of starting on the hard tires is to like stay out there longer without pitting and like find a pit window, maybe make up some positions on, um, on pit strategy and whatnot. The soft tire people pitting before you, you just hang out there as long as you can. And they were coming in way, way sooner. So it was just a bit odd for the strategy because otherwise it's like if you're only gonna drive 16 laps on these tires put soft tires on because you'll just be Mm -hmm. faster for those 16 laps like you're kind of wasting it where if you drive the soft tires to 26 laps like max did Mm -hmm. at that point the hard tires should be much faster than the softs that are like have had a lot of dag and are worn and need to go the the hard tire should still be kicking pretty good um yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure what the what the radio messages would have been like but there's a sense in which 
what if they had uh what if the problem started like before the race where they didn't understand what tires were going to be the best so they you know get a bunch of laps in hope they're going to be able to improve their position make some overtakes the lap time just isn't there and instead of like taking that sunk cost immediately um and pitting like right when they saw the the lap time not be there then pit instead of like you're saying waiting to 16 and then you know just doing something totally suboptimally i'm i'm willing to bet that that feels like a misread of what their lap times were going to be on the on that tire and he just wasn't able to improve his position to the degree that warranted you know uh that tire choice and then they just swapped them too late yeah i mean it's uh I, I get what you mean. I think it might have been a bad read, but I also think um, Ferrari's strategy is still having some issues. Uh, later on for the um, the second pit stop that Leclerc did, they uh, he was dur- like during the radio messages, he was like, oh, I want to go on the soft tires. Then his pit, crew, or, uh, his pit wall was like, oh, no, we want to put you back on the hard tires that didn't mm. work. And uh, Leclerc was like, no, I want the soft tires. And the pit wall was like, OK, yeah, we'll give you we'll give you what you want. And then they put the hard tires on anyway. Um so it Bro, seems that's up. yeah and i mean like we've seen that before and i thought it was fucked up at the time too we saw it with mercedes a couple years ago we would see um valtteri go hey put me on the opposite of whatever lewis gets in terms of tires i want if he goes for the medium tires i want the hards or, or they're both starting on mediums and he's like if he goes for the softs i want the hard tires and then mm-hmm. the team's like, nope, this is the optimal strategy. We're putting you both on the same thing. And it's like, I understand the team wanting to have the optimal performance, but you do have to like give some weight to like what your driver is saying. Like they're the ones who can feel the difference between the different tires and whatnot a bit better uh than than you can from just watching on the pit wall and and looking at lap times so yeah that sounds like that sounds like trying to uh man not like not lose any more than they already have where you know if you would have given charles the the soft tires you know maybe you would have been able to you know get a little x factor out of them improve his position a little bit more but yeah that just sounds like a, a rough day from the pit wall yeah it's just it's weird um to me it's like they're so afraid of making a mistake that they just like force whatever their plan is and if it doesn't work then they're like well everyone already thinks we're a joke so <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. it's not different where they're not necessarily like they're they're more trying to avoid failure than they are trying to be successful um by they're trying to to just go with whatever seems like it should be the best instead of being like well maybe we take a chance on this based on what our driver's saying based on this or that uh and and being a little riskier um it seems more Mm -hmm. of a like 
damage mitigation strategy from yeah, for sure. Wall. So uh, a tough day for Leclerc. Um, he ends up not uh, not making it back into the points, fights his way from P19 up to P11. I think he probably was still having some of the issues from qualifying. I know they swapped out some parts, but weren't able to fully give, I think, a full shakedown of the issues with the car before the race day. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, a tough one and a, a big hit for him, um, where especially with Carlos finishing up in P5, getting some more points on on that end for the Ferrari team. It's going to um, just make it tougher on Leclerc. Like It, it hurts to take a zero on a weekend especially one that you finish all the way through the race uh when you're kind of trying to fight for the top he's now 16 points back from carlos who has 58 points to his 42 um he's down in p7 with alonzo and both mercedes ahead of uh of him and carlos so not what we would be looking for uh for leclerc and and i think what ferrari would be looking for yeah that's a that's a really tough weekend but even like even for carlos like didn't he have he started yeah he started on the front row with max and just kind of like faded away into uh into p5 like 45 seconds back from max um so i I would i i he didn't make a much of an impression, but at the same time, having the two Mercedes who I think we saw have better pace on the weekend and then Checo pass him. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the only, like he was able to hold off Stroll and Alonzo. Um, so I think in that sense, I don't necessarily feel like he, I feel like that was a like solid weekend for Carlos. I think that's like uh he finished where, he probably was supposed to kind of weekend. Gotcha. Okay. So you're saying maybe the Mercedes had a little bit too much and Sergio in the Red Bull was like going to pass him if he made it up that far. Yeah. I think, uh, I think even if, um, he could have very easily just have started P five anyway, and just not like had, like not gone up, not gone down through the, the, like if gotcha. he had qualified okay. P five, I think that's probably where he would have finished. Instead, even though he finished like started P two, um, I just don't know if the the Ferrari had. It definitely didn't have better pace than the Red Bull, and the Mercedes no. also seemed to to have better pace. Checo finishing P four just was because he was kind of fighting his way through all all day, so. Okay. All right. You've changed my mind. Yeah. I I think that um, it was like, I, I just don't think it wasn't a, an amazing performance from Carlos or anything, but I think he did like the best that he could on the day. Mm-hmm. And with that, um, I think that's all you can kind of do some weeks, some weeks you, you don't just don't have the pace. Yeah, of course, and especially like with the Mercedes on the rise, you know, with uh, with Lewis and George uh, finishing really well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. Probably speaks more to the Mercedes weekend than like anything Carlos was Carlos or the Ferrari pit wall was doing wrong. Yeah, 
Yeah, so it's a uh, it's definitely not the ideal for uh, for Ferrari on either driver, but um, they've got some progress that they need to make. Um, I was uh, pretty disappointed to see Yuki end up getting that penalty um, mm-hmm. for for the incident with I think it was Ocon uh, coming out of the pit lanes. Um, uh, uh, Joe Guan Yu. Joe. Okay. So yeah, with, uh, with Joe Guan Yu, cause he, I don't think he did enough to warrant a five second penalty and to knock him from being up in P nine down out of the points. Uh, that's pretty frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think both of us are, are turn. I know you always were, but I'm turning into a, a pretty big Yuki fan too. I'm yeah. like rooting for him a lot. Um, yeah, I want to see him do well. Yeah. And, and I'm and that looked like there. a dive it's... from Joe, to be fair. It looked like, uh, he yeah. was just like quick to take the exit road. He knew it was there. If he gets on the radio, you know, um, so I think it looked a little bit worse for you, Joe than it really was. And yeah, I think it really, uh, hampers Sonoda's weekend there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I thought we were gonna, we we're gonna break the little spell. He was going to get a couple of points this weekend instead of just the one. Um, but between the end of Monaco with uh, with the break issues that they had and losing those positions, and then with this, with the five-second penalty, I'm uh, bummed in back-to-back weeks for Yuki. So uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, like, but at the same time, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, he's shown that he can get that car in the points. Like, that's awesome, but uh, I just want him to to get those points finishes and not have these uh these late issues yeah and it seems like a little bit of um some of it just seems like experience issues some of it you know feels like car issues but yeah i think just the more like good weekends that he has i think he's gonna have a lot more drives ahead of him and then we'll just you know continue to see him improve um because it seems like he has pretty solid raw talent, pretty good awareness here, but situations like this are really going to hamper him um, for someone who tends to be relatively consistent. Yeah. And, and has like really built that consistency up over the past couple of years. It's like, yeah. he's, he's made a lot of progress with that. And so to see it sort of not pay off uh, a couple of times is a bummer, but um the other, uh, uh, the only other note that I had, um, in, in on the actual race was I just found it pretty amusing. Um, it's funny watching Fernando be right behind Lance because he always is like on the radio, like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna press Lance, I'm not gonna pass him, like, and they don't have pressure from any other teams really that have forced him to like. Be like, yeah, this guy's on my ass. Like, I need to to get past him, otherwise, I'm gonna get overtaken. Um, like even on the last lap, he was he was only a second behind Lance, uh, or eight tenths of a second behind him. And as he's coming through the last turns, Fernando was like waving to the crowd at his home Grand Prix as he's coming through the last like couple turns of the track instead of like going after Lance to try and uh try and beat him out but um 
I, I mean, I think that's just smart on Fernando's part as a mm-hmm. uh, for his seat and everything. Yeah, to, to be a team player, but um, also just like for the team, like trying to maximize the points. He's like, hey, let's get as many as we can get. I'm still ahead in the the teammate battle with points, right. so like let's just uh, not cause any issues and and take as many points as we can get. Well, and you get to ham up the love from the crowd. I mean, that's, um, yeah. And it's at home. Like, that's sporting, if you ask me. Sporting and, and like, probably fun for him, too. Yeah, exactly. He's probably, like, just loving all the the applause and everything from from the Spanish fans. So uh, a cool... Cool weekend for him and and for Carlos being a, a home Grand Prix and having a nice finish too. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's um, I I think it's nice to see drivers have success on their on their home weekends. The only the only other thing that I wanted to add in was uh, just mention the the Alpine the Alpine squad. We had uh, Espan Ocon. Uh, and uh pierre gasly finished p8 and p10 i think that's like an improvement from some of the positions that we have seen them in we've actually uh, like seen alpine finish uh much farther down the grid in some of these races uh this is coming post a couple of upgrades so it's nice to see that those are working for the alpines um i think in some of the some of the next races coming up we may uh we may see some some better points finishes from them but good to see that they're that they're slurping them up here i like to see uh i like to see pierre gasly have a good drive yeah i'm i'm with you there and it's um they're they're kind of in no man's land but like those Mm -hmm. points are super important i Mm -hmm. mean they're 60 points back from Ferrari and the uh, constructors, but they're 23 ahead of McLaren. Um, and it doesn't seem like that gap beneath them will probably close up very much. Um, whether McLaren or Haas or Alfa Romeo, I don't imagine any of them like really pressing Alpine, but I also don't necessarily see Alpine making up a, a 60 point gap over the next um however many races we have 16 races or so we have left um so it'll be interesting to see how close they finish on either side kind of or if they just kind of maintain that median gap between the uh kind of being a midfield of their own but yeah but even if that is where they finish that would mean that they that they continued like uh, a, a linear path upward because like you still have to figure all of the other teams are bringing in upgrades to oh, like yeah. their their success isn't coming in a vacuum um so yeah i I, I like seeing Ocon and Pierre able to like get these type of results as opposed to just like you know relegating them to the back where they yeah. had on other outfits some pretty solid performances that like you would love to see them get back to um i mean it was just last race that we saw ocon on the podium yeah so that's pretty cool definitely cool big Um, big time uh 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 wading into the waters there i didn't want to be wrong no no you're you're spot on and i mean having that and like also a back-to-back points weekend for uh for the team is definitely a a nice improvement from 
teammates running into each other and uh and the other early struggles that they had but um yeah props alpine um and i'm looking forward to seeing like how that progresses um and like you said always rooting for pierre gasly to have a good weekend so uh hopefully he'll continue to to put some some nice laps in and nice weekends in going forward Mm -hmm. um but the uh I guess the only other big like thing, I had a couple other final notes, but uh, of course I'd be remiss if I didn't end with some max stats. And this one is much more simple than usual. First in FP1, first in FP2, first in FP3, first in qualifying, first in the race, fastest lap, led every lap. It's like a super grand slam uh, of a weekend. He just was like on a different playing field throughout the weekend. It felt like we, we saw him put in uh, a qualifying time. that was like five tenths up on the the second place qualifier Um, in the race. He's getting the black and white flag uh, waved at him for um, going outside the, uh, the track limits. And then he's, talking to his engineer and going, Oh, what's the fastest lap? And they're like, just bring it home. Max He's like, no, but what's the fastest lap? And they're like, is this, and he just like crushes it and is like, okay. And they're like, okay, now can you just like finish the race? And he's like, yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was pretty entertaining. He, uh, like, beat it out by three tenths on the uh on the at the end for the fastest lap damn um so it wasn't even like and just like snake it out he's just like oh no like i i can do this and and went on his way um but that was that was entertaining as well i would definitely for anyone who uh watched the race and hasn't watched the radio rewind check it out on f1 page on youtube like that it's fun hearing all the team radio messages and things like that, that you're just like, like, come on, dude, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of ridiculous. He's like, "Ah, I don't, he's like, I don't care if I, and I get from the team perspective, they're like, there has been talk about rain all weekend. If, if it does rain or if there is a safety car from some incident or whatever, and you end up with a five second penalty with a safety car restart, like you could easily lose that P1 for no reason. Mm-hmm. But uh Max is a bit stubborn as I, I think we've seen. So he was yeah, not gonna you know, take that lying down. Wants to get all of the points possible, you can't blame him. Um that's that's pretty funny. The you know, super grand slam weekend. I'm surprised they don't give you know, hand out points for something like that, where if you, you know, top all of the top all of the sessions, you know, they'll give you something else that's like, you know, a surprise that they don't. Yeah. Um I'm not saying it's necessary, not saying I care, yeah. but but other than just having like a term for it, it'd be cool if that actually like meant something in uh, like you know, the championship. The, yeah, as opposed to just like a, a record potentially for right. to keep of oh this person has X number of grand slams in their mm-hmm. career or whatnot. Um, but the other like just interesting point about the weekend: so four drivers came in 
who had not uh, or who had completed every lap of the season thus far. So Max, Fernando, Lewis, and Carlos had all been the uh, the four drivers who had made it through every lap of every race uh, up until this point. Um, mm-hmm. And then we ended up with a race with no yellow flags, no safety cars, no red flags, and no retirements. So, right. uh, so those four have continued their streak of uh, of completing every race this season um, without any incidents and whatnot. But uh, it's kind of nice to see. Uh, another race weekend where we have no issues. It's just good, clean racing as you and I always root for. Um, and to, to see that shake out pretty well uh, for all the drivers, get some good data for teams, even if they aren't in the points and, and hopefully, like we said, close that, that uh, gap up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and especially for um, yeah, overall, I think it was a a decent Grand Prix, you know, maybe not the most exciting or, uh, you know, uh, uh, safety car involved or whatever. But yeah, I would say just a just a pretty uh, maybe quiet race, if you will. I know there was a decent amount of overtakes, but like, you know, nothing crazy happened. No significant amount of jeopardy. So, yeah, just a, a, a pretty, pretty solid race for the 2023 season. Yeah, so uh, big, uh, big props to everyone for for keeping it uh, inside the lines as much as they can. Um, Hell and yeah! No, uh, no incidents or, or big incidents throughout the the race day and everything. Um, you love to see it, but we can, I guess, start shifting over to a little League of Legends talk. We've not got too much uh i don't think on the agenda i did want to briefly just mention the uh the lcs player um kind of walk out and whatnot mm-hmm. they are still i guess in deliberation figuring out what the plan is going forward entirely um it was interesting though because double lift uh got kind of well, not I wouldn't say put on blast, but he was getting um, uh, criticized by a couple of uh, the F1 or not F1, the League of Legends uh, uh, pundits, I guess. At this point, like I will dominate was uh, kind of talking about him a bit because Doublelift in one of his streams this past week basically said, "Oh, if it comes to a walkout or not." having the opportunity to potentially go to worlds like I'm playing and it's like, so riot wins. Like they just like, they can do whatever they want. Cause play. He's like, he just gave up the leverage that they have of like, you need us to put on this performance to make you money, to draw eyes mm-hmm. to the game, to, grow the american user base to get people to want to buy skins and play or whatever else that or watch streams and watch ads that makes riot money like the players have to be there for them to do that Mm -hmm. for a lot of it at least uh or to to keep the attention of of people and 
to just come out and be like to the public and not like just keep that in man like you may feel that way like if push comes to shove like i'm playing but while deliberations are going on and you're trying Mm -hmm. to like use that leverage a little bit to just be like yeah but like I'm just going to play because I want to go to Worlds. Like, that just screws the entire point of this in the first place. If Riot is just like, oh, well, like, all we had to do was put this pressure on and then they'll just, like, right. cave. Um, that is kind of... Uh, that is... um not the number one strategy in negotiations, I would say. I wouldn't hire Doublelift as my uh, my negotiator for for anything. Hostage situations, buying a house, buying a car. Like Doublelift, you can stay as far away as possible. Yeah, I would tend to agree. He just he just gives up the goose on stream and in like a pretty salty fashion. Um, and to the degree that I'm not even sure he understands like the full complexity of the issue, not saying I do, but he's just like very flippant about it. And that's kind yeah. of like that's kind of a big shame because um, unfortunately, let's be real double lift like even if you do get to worlds like this is a hot take but you're not gonna win like it's not gonna mean anything and all it's gonna be is another year where like oh shit what you actually should have done was maybe put work into like the your home scene and then maybe it's not you that gets to like succeed at worlds but maybe it's like your countrymen that get to succeed at worlds and you lay the groundwork yeah exactly and and he doesn't want to do that i would imagine he him as a player believes he's already done that kind of thing and he wants his his big fucking trophy but overall man uh he's not gonna be the one that wins it well and and to look at it that way and also like it's it's a little disappointing to me from Doublelift because he has a history for his entire career of just trying to jam as much of his foot into his mouth as possible. I mean, in mm-hmm. season two, I think it was, or season one, right after the first world championships or second world championships, he was like, Korea and China will never catch up to North America because we've been playing this game for a year longer than them. And it's like, all right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And only Asian countries have won world since like, it's it's like, come on, man. Like you at this point, I would, I I'm rooting for some growth to be like, Hey, maybe I don't have to say, the every thought that comes into my brain mm-hmm. maybe i can just hold this in and and wait it out but um yeah uh, a little disappointing to see in that and like you said so flippant it reminded me a lot of um a couple of years ago there was almost a lockout for the uh the nfl uh gotcha. in, in america um with the teams because they were looking to add a 17th game to the schedule and Mm -hmm. so the the conversation was like there's a 
ton of players that are young who have not been in the league for much longer that were like, hey, like this is a higher injury risk to me. Like the NFL doesn't have a long longevity for the average player in general. And so now you're going to subject me to playing another game of like pounding on my body and everything out there against uh, against the other teams. You bet like they were fighting to be paid basically whatever their salary is. Like if you broke it down into a per game, like Mm -hmm. to add an extra one of that for the additional game, um, all these things. And then there were the longstanding players, the Aaron Rodgers and and these other guys in the that have been around for a decade in the league who have hundreds of millions of dollars that were just like, I just don't want like I don't get why we have all these demands for the NFL. Like my life's pretty fucking good. And it's like right. But it's not about you. It's about mm-hmm. like the the grand scheme of things. Like not Getting every player, fed. not everyone in the NFL is is you making thirty million dollars a year. Right. There's a guy that just came out of college, and NFL players. Something I learned through all this they they aren't vested in like making money from the NFL and everything and for their uh like retirements and pensions and whatnot until they've played for like five years. I'm, I think it is. So right. like most players don't make it that long anyway. Right. And they probably build it that way. And so for oh, a guy who's like already vested making shit tons of money right so just it, it that's what it reminded me of from double if being like well yeah like my my bank account's looking all right so like i don't get why as opposed to being like oh i don't know 30 players or however many players just lost their jobs who are good quality players or could be the next me why don't i put my pride aside and say I'm gonna like vouch and, and vie for these guys so that I don't know maybe North America could win worlds down the road like you're saying right like it's it's frustrating because it's like it's not a great situation um, I think it was very flippant from Riot to just say well yeah teams if you want to like get rid of your your academy teams like you can if you want to like halfway through the year at least get to the end of the year before you're like okay we're gonna look to restructure our uh our academy or challenger scene or whatever for next year current thing isn't working we want to do something that's going to be better financially for teams and like look to grow that pool of talent Mm -hmm. and yada 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 like instead of yeah just halfway through so it's just it's bad on on every angle in my opinion but um i i guess probably by next week we'll have some semblance of a resolution for what we're going to be looking at because that will be right around that two-week point of uh Mm -hmm. negotiations and whatnot so. Yeah, and resolution could be no NALCS this year, um, but we do have uh, some LPL games and LCK games uh, kicked off. We have uh, um, 
you know, they're into uh, what am I saying? Into the summer split there, which leads into, you know, which will lead into the world's tournament. Um, so as the competition ramps up, we'll, you know, bring bring you coverage of the of the LPL and the LCK. Um, the LEC, or I guess like the European region hasn't started yet either. Um, so it's just LPL and LCK. A couple of, a couple of good matches over there have been played so far. Um, one team in the LPL undefeated, I believe Billy Billy Gaming is. They um, are after so that hot uh, stretch at MSI, yeah. um, carrying it through into the start where their uh, their um, biggest competition with JDG ended up falling 2-0 to Weibo Gaming in one of their first three matchups. So mm-hmm. JDG is at two and one in the uh, in the standings right now um where billy billy gaming like you said has has continued that and team we is also undefeated at two and oh uh where billy billy gaming's at three and oh like you mentioned they've just had i guess one more series in their schedule so far yeah Um, so and then over in the lck we've only had two of the matchups so far um interestingly d plus kia I'm not I'm not even sure if that's how you say their name this year, but uh Dom Juan D plus yep, right. um starts off with a dub, uh which I'm happy to see. Um pretty sure lineup stays the same as spring. Um so the D plus that we know. So yep. nice to see them come out, uh see them come out with an early win where, you know, we saw them kinda kinda struggle as we got into the the playoff stages of spring. But yeah, just a couple little updates there for LPL and LCK, and then as the as the split moves forward, we'll bring you like more in depth coverage of uh, some of the specific matchups. But yeah, it it just seemed more beneficial to talk about the lockup this week or the walkout this week because yeah, double if like you said, just foot in his mouth. It's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, moving into next week, I'm gonna look forward to getting some getting some uh, good League of Legends matches in. Yeah, and uh, and a big one coming up this weekend uh, to check out. If you want to be up at 4.30 Eastern Standard Time, you've oh, got yeah. LCK on Sunday, uh, Gen G versus T1. So a uh, nice little uh, head-to-head going uh, to start off the um, the summer split here. Gen G and T1 will both just have had one series um t1 plays hanwa life and genji plays kt rolster so two mm-hmm. uh two decent matchups in, in their own right earlier in the week on friday but the uh the big head-to-head coming up on sunday between the two to uh kick off the first week of lck there yeah that'll be exciting for sure because honestly like we've had so many we've had so many matchups between faker and chovy like in recent memory now that there's actually like a like a a really significant um kind of like best of five meta that will that you can kind of draw from um so yeah i think that i think that matchup's going to be really exciting because it's just fun watching i mean you know big two two massive organizations bunch of bunch of star players going head to head it's always always a good matchup so that you said that sunday morning yep sunday morning 4 yeah. 30 eastern standard time so check go. it out or watch the vods later like i'll be doing right like <laughs> like normal fucking people yeah like uh people without insomnia but if you have insomnia sure. that's the matchup for you um i digress 
League of Legends will have more of it coming, but you have a little bit of Magic the Gathering that you wanted to talk about before we uh, we get over to the flavor of the week here. Yeah, I guess just kind of like sprinkle some stuff in from the weekend. Um, Wizards has been spoiling the spoiling. It's like it's less that and more just like pre-release. It's like a, like an early reveal of the set, like before the release weekend. Um, so it's a, a Lord of the Rings themed set that has a commander product component and then a like straight to modern release. So the cards will all be modern legal, um, not. Yeah, they'll be modern legal. And as the, yeah, like spoilers reveals roll in, you see familiar characters that you love from from the stories and and the films there's like there's aragorn there's a bunch of a bunch of like gandalf prints um and it seems like a bunch of different versions of some characters that have uh kind of different stages in the stories where you have like gandalf the white gandalf the gray um and they they each do I guess what you would say mechanically different things you see, you know, Gollum, Gollum's got cards, uh, Sam, Frodo, you know, literally everybody, um, all the flavor texts, it seems like are passages from the stories. Um, so kind of putting, putting an image to, you know, uh, a, a piece of literature from the story. Most of it looks really cool so far. When um, does it, did it come out already or is it coming out? I believe the pre-release is next weekend, I want to say. Pre-release is next weekend, and then the full release would be the following. So I guess like full release in two weeks, it seems like. Like two and a half weeks it would be. So I should order a box, is what you're telling me. If if you're a, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan and you and you even sniff of a lick enjoy magic it, it would be a pretty cool set to get into oh, it's tough man because i let me tell you i'm looking at it right now and i i think it's gonna have a ton of resale value like unopened like i think i might buy a box and just hang on to it because one lord of the rings is just such a huge massive fandom that it doesn't make sense to like like or it does make sense to to kind of look to buy as a um potential uh resale down the line but also the what I'm seeing here is that it looks like the one ring card uh, mm-hmm. that is in the set is extremely uh, sought after where um, there's someone who I think has said that they the, the value could be up to one million dollars. I don't know if they're it oh so it's a one of one card um, yeah. And there have been a couple of people that have offered pretty large bounties for it. I'm sure you know the name Cassius Marsh, NFL player. Yep, I he, recognize the name. 
yeah, he's offered five hundred thousand dollars to anybody that pulls that that uh, one of one ring. So like the longer that goes unpooled, yeah, the value of some of those boxes is going to go up significantly. So, like um, I kind of would hope to to buy the box, but even then, I think the box will like raise in value just because of the pure collectors' right. value of it from a Lord of the Rings perspective, along with like um yeah so I, I don't know maybe i'll be dipping my toes back into uh trying to to buy a box last time i didn't uh get quite the resale value i was hoping but it was it was worth testing the waters it wasn't like uh and now i have a bunch of cards i've got um i've got some greens and some blacks i think that uh that i could mostly fungi uh deck that go. i could put together Unfortunately, um, I don't think there would be any fungus in the uh, no. In, so, in, so this the would Lord be, of the Rings set. This would be a uh, this would be a resale purchase as opposed right. to uh, leave it up on the shelf sealed. Yeah, but if there are any uh, any future green and black uh, primary booster boxes, it might be worthwhile to to check out. See if I can make a little little deck uh, over that- here. Oh, Bro, that would my, be exciting. Get that would be exciting to have you build a, a commander I, deck. So you can, I, you like, can purge through my collection if you want. I, I may, I may uh, take you up on that at some point because I've, yeah. I've got a decent start with like okay. the cards. I have. in terms of like n- just numbers of cards, I haven't really right. gone through all of them in terms of like creating a strategy and whatnot. But since they're all from one booster box, they they all work decently well for together. sure yeah that's um, the idea yeah with all my uh my my slivers i've got so many slivers man gotcha there you go there you go um so yeah i just think uh lord of the rings new set looks really cool some of the some of the art direction is very exciting um looks pretty yeah sweet. yeah so I, I think it'll just be a fun set to get into um likely likely try and pack, crack a couple packs from the lgs um but yeah and then a lot of my weekend we were watching some of the games from the im dallas uh had a bunch of i guess it was like a bunch of north american orgs basically just like small little tournaments that was pretty fun um but one thing about it interestingly like a bunch of the like top teams that you would have guessed like would have made it all the way through some of them end up getting knocked out into the quarters some of them end up getting knocked out in the semifinals so you actually have and i'm 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 going to say the two teams that were in the finals and you're just going to be like what so it was mouse versus ents in the finals okay. in a bracket that had phase heroic cloud 9 I'm pretty sure G2 was there. I think Furia played as well. And that was the final. Mouse versus Ents. Interesting. Um, it was over in two games. Ents wins 2-0. It's kind of a bummer. I was going to say, Mouse, I feel like, has been in a lot of tournaments. I've seen them frequently, but mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen a ton of success from them. Not um, recently, no. Yeah. Where Ents, I, they've been decent for a bit. Mm-hmm. but like yeah no i i get where you're coming from definitely a, a shocker for the finals i wouldn't have if you had listed off all those teams i would not have probably would have said like furia versus heroic or some or like phase versus sure. heroic or something sure. that we've seen previously basically 
Right, bro. And I and I was tuned in to the uh, I think it was heroic in the semifinals against I think they played Mouse. Um, and I was just thinking like, all right, here we go. Katie and back in the finals. But yeah, not not to be. So any any of the players that I was tuned in to watch did not make it uh, to championship Sunday. But uh, yeah, overall, it was it was still a pretty fun tournament. I think if you if you think about the like calendar and the schedule, you could probably argue some of these teams are pretty fucking worked after I think it was like Rio, the the like qualifiers for Paris and then Paris was a massive tournament. Um, So I think the argument could be made that some of these teams are feeling pretty, pretty lethargic, maybe pretty fatigued, feeling kind of out of like out of strats um, where, you know, if they use them all for main stage at Paris, like what else do you have kind of thing? Um, So a couple of factors coming in, but um, yeah, so I am Dallas. I think of the mate, like of the like S tier tournaments that we've watched recently hasn't been the best as far as the grand finals, but interesting that the competition is in a way where it's kind of anybody's game um, where you can have a bunch of different teams be possible to win one of these tournaments. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, and then we just have, we just have some um, group stage games for the blast spring finals. So this is the culmination of what was like their main season um, at blast. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but the league, na- the the league is the blast. So I'm pretty sure this is like the playoff stage for that. Um, so we have the groups uh, going on. So just a lot of uh, CS over the weekend. Um, so that and some, you know, Magic the Gathering releases. But sir, that's kind of it for it for that. Uh, if you want to take us through your flavor of the week here and get these people out of here, yeah, sounds good. Uh, sure. so. For my food this week, um, Colleen and I, uh, Sunday night after the uh, the F1 race and all, we went on a, um, a uh, first date anniversary date night. So our first date was on June 4th, two years ago. So we decided to celebrate that uh, by going out and doing a nice dinner. So we went to a restaurant in Philly called laser wolf, which is a Israeli restaurant. Like food was much more chill than I expected, uh, with the name, but it was, uh, the food was phenomenal. I had these just great lamb chops. There was like all sorts of like, they do a whole little spread of like hummus and dips and like little like, veggies and whatnot um so that was uh just delicious um and it was a nice uh nice little way to celebrate our first time meeting uh, a couple years ago for my music this week i delved back a little bit into a couple of older uh artists that i had listened to so catastro which is like an indie rock uh group that i had listened mm. to a lot a couple years ago um they it's uh it's a little different of a vibe a little like it's indie but the guitar sounds are a little twangy but not country twangy it's uh, it's hard to explain but they've got a a unique sound a bit um like what were you gonna like a bluegrass like folky Mm -hmm. kind no it's like 
indie like pop rock but the guitars are definitely a little um less fine-tuned i guess almost that it sounds a little like rougher uh maybe um but i enjoy uh enjoyed them a lot and so they came back i came back across them uh well more i i remembered that they were a thing because my brain just sometimes let some of those (laughs) artists go over time yeah uh and then borns uh who are a bit more of like a melodic electronic music. Um, So was listening to a little bit of both of those this past week. Uh, And then for my visual medium on Friday, I saw the new Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse animated movie. Um, I loved it. The first one was really good uh, a couple years ago when uh, that came out um with the miles morales story and everything i think it was into the spider-verse um or just might have been just spider-verse but uh the movie was really good the only only qualm i had with it was it stopped like right at the like it ended right before what i would have imagined would be the final like climax of the movie where the the big boss fights and everything kind of happened it was like these things are about to happen next week on dragon ball z and Mm. i was like wait that's the end of the movie i was I, i was like trying to in my brain even afterwards be like how should they have ended this movie if that was like the time that they had or ending point or whatever to lead into the next one because it just everything was great about it. It's just, I feel like it's going to be a very weird spot to pick up for the next movie. Like, I I don't feel like there's any room really for a, even like short intro to the next movie before you're just like at action. Like, I I feel like everything was just right where it's going to turn into immediate big battles sure. which is uh an interesting way to kick off a movie i feel like i i mean nothing little... wrong with a two-parter no but i feel like even in uh like in the harry potter deathly hollows part one and two like deathly hollows part two doesn't start with them just being like and fight with the like everyone from Hogwarts just running out onto the bridge to start fighting all the sure. the uh, Dementors and everything. Like there's there's still some build up to it, and I I'm curious to see where they uh, they bring that in in the next gotcha. movie because just based on how it cut off, I don't feel like there's much wiggle room to like. Well, maybe course. I don't know. Maybe do a little flashback at the start to like ease everyone into the movie or something. Or someone shows up five minutes late to the movie and they're gonna miss the the big fight scenes for it. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe they've done exactly what they were trying to do, where like you just create this sense of like I just have to know what happens, so like maybe. you're gonna you know it preps well, you for the next one. 
but I, I enjoyed it enough anyway. Like it's a good, it's a sure. good movie. So like I was going to watch the, I, I need to see how it finishes anyway. There I you go. Even doubly good. I just didn't need it to cut off like right at right before that point. Like sure. should have done it a little sooner maybe. And then we ease into, into it the next, uh, next movie. But yeah, they're just like edging you for like a year and a half. Yeah, just just like trying to wring as much money out of the uh, of the franchise. I mm-hmm. and I was sitting there. I'm like, I could have sat there for another hour, and just watched sure. through all the. I was uh, I was enjoying it a lot, but nice. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, that is my flavor of the week for this week. Uh, but Justin, what have you got for the people this week? Uh, so my visual medium here, I'll start where you finish my visual medium for the week. We've been watching the, uh, the fast and furious movies. I think the last time we met, we had only watched like one or two of them, maybe even the third one, but now we are, we are in the thick of it. We just finished, uh, uh, fast and furious seven, or maybe it's just furious seven, I think is the title of seven. No, it's Furious Seven. Is it? Um, yeah, and then Eight is the Fate of the Furious. Oh, it is Furious um, Seven? Yeah. So, so yeah, we just finished that one. This is the one where sadly Paul Walker uh, passes away during production. Um, so the end of the, uh, you know, the end of the movie is like kind of that, and then like you know saying goodbye um, in a very, I would say, very tasteful way. You get the Charlie Puth and Wiz Khalifa collab. See you again. Beautiful song. Um, so yeah, I think these movies just keep getting more and more ridiculous, but it's amazing how close to like, they are not, they like plot wise, they're not straying far from each other. They are Mm. contrived and just like they do a whole bunch of layering, but they they logically follow and like where it Mm. leaves off is right where the other ones pick like where it leaves off is right where the other ones pick up so there is a sense of like man these are really silly and dumb but you can tell that there was care that went into at least the storyboarding in in the long term or something um so yeah it's it's kind of fun to watch just how ridiculous they are and just how it levels up into like all right so now it's so cars on the ground racing all the way to like yeah we're just gonna jump them out of planes land them on the ground it's totally crazy so it's fun stuff and then my food here for the week i've got to shout you out sir that breakfast casserole was amazing um i i I wish I would have been mindful enough to have more. It was such a, it was such like a roller coaster of a day that like, by the time we had gotten in the car, me and Sarah, we literally said to each other, like, fuck, should we have eaten more? <laughs> um, so yeah, would have loved to get my hands on more of that breakfast casserole. That I was can fucking send you awesome. the recipe. It's uh, it's not too, not too difficult. So I'm happy that to sounds, send it over. Uh, that sounds lovely courtesy of uh of my mom's family recipe and all so it's uh it's in a very old cookbook that my mom has that's been uh like added to from the family and whatnot um but she does that actually for christmas breakfast every year we have the the breakfast casserole with some monkey bread some fruit and whatnot and so uh i didn't have the monkey bread but the breakfast casserole is a good option 
Oh, it was a great option. We, he, we even had the little sliced up strawberries. No full strawberries. Did it, uh, uh, what would you say, like bed and breakfast style. So that was awesome. Yeah. So thank you again for that. That was great. And then my music here for the week, um, we were listening to watching movies with the sound off on the way down. And then nice. when we were doing some cooking uh, recently, I put the vinyl on, listened to it there at the uh, at the record player. So just a whole lot of Mac here this week. And um, yeah, that's a great album to go back to. It's really fun. Yeah, I like that one a lot too. It's uh it's definitely a good one. I I that'll be one I'll have to add to my vinyl collection. I feel like that would be a great one to listen to in that uh medium. Unfortunately, there's only one skippable though, Euphoria. It's a mm. terrible song. It's so like, like it. slow and like I I yeah, it's definitely skippable. Um I'd have to be in the right mood to like listen to it. Mhm. But but yeah, I feel you. Rarely um, can I ever let that play all the way through, especially knowing that you have like the bonus tracks at the at the back. <laughs> it's um, tough with the vinyl though. You just gotta you gotta just make it through. Cause what are you gonna do? Lift the needle and try and guess where the next song starts? Well, yeah, that's I guess a you great can, point. I guess you can kind of see, but now nah, it's it's pretty tough. You have to you know you're doing a little bit of this little hunt and peck um but yeah that's my flavor of the week here nice uh well as always ladies and gents that does bring us to the end of this week's episode um we as always really appreciate you taking the time to listen with us uh and to hear us jabber on about all the good the bad the ugly of f1 league of legends magic gathering uh and all that good stuff uh so thank you for checking us out Uh, week after week find us on spotify google podcasts youtube if you want to see our smiling faces uh and hit us up on twitter at tall and short of one if you want to get in the uh conversation we'd love to to chat with you about your thoughts for f1 or any of those topics so but yeah tell your friends new episodes every thursday aaron told you where to find us we just want to say thank you so much for listening we really appreciate your time uh means a lot to us that you you know take the time to listen so just thank you um this has been another episode of the tall and short of a podcast peace out everyone see you